Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. And today's episode is a very dear episode to my heart and very sensitive episode. Um, this episode is talking about pain management, uh, managing chronic pain without narcotics. It talks about opioids, um, pain medications, and the reason why this is dear to my heart is I have quite a few friends who suffer from opioid addiction and that kind of got them into heroin and harder drugs. Um, I lost some friends. I have current friends that's dealing with this and this is a really serious subject matter one that I'm infinitely unqualified to really address, but I, I, I feel called to shed some light on um, because we have people in the sober as dope community that are in active recovery from pain medication and opioid drugs and heroin and meth and fentanyl. So I know there's so many people fighting and I hear both sides of the arguments where, you know, there's people that's in so much pain and and now they're finding it harder to get access to the medication that they need and it's a double-edged sword. So I, I'm really, really wanna try to, you know, connect. We have a story from a lady named Joy who was um, addicted to heroin for 30 years who found her recovery. Um, Joy is now a peer counselor for other people that struggles with um, 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 drug addiction. And that story gave me, even gave me hope, all right? Um, And this is a deep subject matter. We know that the fentanyl crisis across the United States right now is killing so many people. I just found out the other day that one of my friends that I knew from years ago passed away almost three years ago because he was casually doing cocaine, um, you know, for recreational party, but it was laced with fentanyl and it killed him. And I didn't even know that this friend was really close to me. It's like one of those friends that, you know, a year or two ago by, you don't really speak to them, but you hope they're okay. And I found out that he died. Um, Fentanyl is killing so many people. Um, And this is a serious subject matter. The reason why I wanted to talk about alternatives to pain management is because for people that's in recovery, they need alternatives um, because the dealing with the drugs and the opioids, the opioids to control the pain led to, you know, addiction. And that became problematic in their lives. So I'm just trying to address it. At the same time, I want to bring awareness to 
the public's outcry for medical reform in this subject, for how doctors deal with um, pain medication. And another thing I'm looking at from the community, and I'm going to read some people's reviews because it goes both ways. It cuts both ways. One of the things people are saying is, okay, it's cute for places like John Hopkins and UCLA to um, publish these articles and studies about alternatives to pain management, but they never discuss who's going to pay for these alternatives. Insurance companies don't like to pay for these alternatives, so it leaves the addict or the person that's struggling with pain holding the bag. And it's kind of like that a boy approach. Good luck, you know, and it's but so much meditation and kumbaya you could do when you're in real pain. It's but so much Tylenol you could take and it's but so many things you can do before you need something harder. And the fact that they made these fundamental drugs that people need so addictive is one of the... I think it's a war again. It's a it's a, um, a humanitarian crisis, and it's uh, it should be just like a, a a crime against humanity, because now it's just the system is jacked up and it's very hard for people. But I still want to give some hope. I still want to give some context. And I still want to contribute what I can on my end. Um, And I hope that this reaches someone and this is helpful. And to anyone that's out there that's on these hard drugs like fentanyl, heroin, methamphetamines and all of this stuff. And you're dealing with chronic pain. I pray for you. I'm there for you. We're going to figure this out together as the signs come in. I'm going to review it on the podcast. I'm constantly searching for ways to help. All right. First and foremost, what are opioids? Um, Opioids, sometimes called narcotics, are medications prescribed by doctors to treat persistent or severe pain. They are used by people with chronic headaches and backaches, by patients recovering from surgery or experiencing severe pain associated with cancer, and by adults and children who have gotten hurt playing sports or who have been seriously injured in falls, auto accidents, or other incidents. How do opioids work? Opioids attach to proteins called opioid receptors on nerve cells in the brain, spinal cord, gut, and other parts of the body. When this happens, the opioids block pain messages sent from the body through the spinal cord to the brain. While they can effectively relieve pain, opioids carry some risk and can be highly addictive. The risk of addiction is especially high when opioids are used to manage chronic pain over a long period of time. What are the potential side effects? Side effects of opioids include sleepiness, constipation, and nausea. Opioids also can cause more serious side effects that can be life-threatening. The following might be symptoms symptoms of an opioid overdose and should be reported to a doctor immediately. 
shallow breathing, slowed heart rate, loss of consciousness, okay? In addition, if you suddenly stop taking opioids, you can sometimes experience symptoms such as jittery, jittery nerves or insomnia. Addiction is also possible, as we all know. Opioids can make your brain and body believe the drug is necessary for survival. Similar to alcohol, ladies and gentlemen. As you learn to tolerate the dose you've been prescribed, you may find that you need even more medication to relieve the pain. Something that I believe was built into the drug from the beginning for pharmaceutical gains and big corporate gains, ladies and gentlemen. I don't believe that these scientists made these drugs without knowing that they was going to make it addictive to line their pockets, okay? So that's the thing that makes me upset because the first thing that anyone that has any sense would know, we will have to make it, create these drugs in a way where they're non-habit forming because a person that's in chronic pain will need to take these drugs for a long period of time. And if it's in any way addictive, we're gonna create a we're gonna create an epidemic problem in which we are in now. So I really make this makes me angry just reading this because you can read between the lines and I don't believe shit that big pharma says. I don't believe it. I fuck big brother, fuck all of them when it comes to shit like this. Excuse my language, because people are really dying. Kids are dying, adults are dying because of this shit. I just went through a serious back injury that I got to live with, and I couldn't even. I didn't have access to the the, the pain medications because of the, the the issues, but I wouldn't have taken them anyway. But I got to live with this. I don't take anything. Like occasionally, I'll say, okay, let me take a Tylenol, but I'm in pain a lot, and I get it. I could imagine if I got this injury 10 years ago I probably would be addicted to something crazier now because as we know I have an addictive mindset and I would have been predisposed to the addictive qualities of these drugs and I could have been hooked it could have been me talking about oh the sober is dope podcast and heroin or I could have died you know alcohol almost took me out I can't imagine being addicted to something stronger so my heart goes out to everyone um some so As you learn to tolerate the dose you've been prescribed, you may find that you need even more medication to relieve the pain, sometimes resulting in addiction. More than 2 million Americans misuse opioids, which I doubt is again, I I mean, it was made for this. Of course they're going to misuse it. It was made extremely and highly addictive. Jesus, man. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, and every day more than 90 Americans die by opioid overdose. Every day more than 90 Americans die. Okay? Yes, there are many types of prescribed opioids that are known by several names, including codeine, fentanyl, hydrocodeine, oxycodeine, Oxymorphine and morphine. All right, these medications are often are sold under brand names such as Oxycontin, Percocet, Paladone, and Vicodin. 
the different types of opioids are prescribed by doctors in different strengths and administered in various forms depending on the patient, the situation, and the type and level of pain. Heroin is an, is an illegal and highly addictive form of opioid, which is no sanctioned medical use. Okay, um... Damn, man, this is so crazy. This is really affecting so many people in real time. Just reading this, I know I see people every day. I talk to people that's dealing with this. It hurts, man. Okay. How are they taken? Many opioids are taken in pill form, but they can also be taken as lozenges and lollipops. Some are administered through a vein, by injection, or through IV, and others can be delivered through a patch placed on the skin or with a suppository. How can you safely use opioids to manage pain? Opioids can be part of of an effective pain management plan, but to help avoid side effects and risk of addiction, you should use them only under a physician's supervision. So I think this is one of the underlying issues with pain and pain management. Like, Doctors will try to probably taper you off to prevent you from becoming addicted and then eventually get you off of the pain meds. But if the pain doesn't go away and your tolerance level increases, you're going to need more. And that probably leads to people going outside of medical supervision to get access to the drugs because they're really in pain. And it's like, what do we do? Well, you you introduced this to our bodies. It was intrinsically addictive. We need it because we're in chronic pain. And now you're going to try to take us off of it and taper us off, right? Without addressing the underlying causes of my pain. So this is that double-edged sword I was talking about and how people struggle with this. All right. Physician and anesthesiologist medical doctors who specialize in anesthesia pain management and critical care medicine have extensive training and experience in prescribing opioid and non-opioid pain medications if you need help managing pain a physician anesthesiologist can work with you to make sure your pain is under control while minimizing side effects and the risk of addiction If you are prescribed opioids, follow these safety tips. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. This is you. You know you're taking them. Please listen. Talk to your physician or physician anesthesiologist. Make sure you have considered all alternative pain-relieving medications that don't carry an addiction risk. If opioids remain the best option, ask how to minimize the risk and side effects. Provide information on your medical conditions, and if you have taken opioids in the past, tell your physician how they affected you. Also, tell your physician if you have a history of addiction to drugs or alcohol. People predisposed to alcohol abuse may be more susceptible to misusing opioids. And I think I was really honest when I had my back. Um, um, that's that's it. That makes sense. So when I developed my back injury, ladies and gentlemen, and um, about four months ago, I had 
um, scoliosis of the spine, which was a slight bend. That's that's pretty normal. But what really was bothering me was my lower lumbar. I had um, lower lumbar protrusions and a bulge disc and some kind of like, you know, back issues, spinal issues. All right. And um, but, you know, and in my in in my defense, I lived a crazy life, and sometime addiction catches up to me. I tend to think I thought I was in the clear, but maybe they said it could have been something from my past. It could be work related. It just happened, right? But I was honest and told the doctor that I'm a recovering alcoholic, so they immediately took me off consideration for any habit forming pain medication, no opioids, nothing. They gave the most that they gave me was ibuprofen. Um, and after that, they was like, yeah, after like two refills, we're going to have to talk about alternatives and therapy, right? So I had to do a lot of physical therapy because they just didn't want to deal with it. And I'm lucky that it wasn't a doctor trying to like line their pockets, that there was really a good group of people because they could have easily been like, oh, don't worry about it, kid. Just take this and take that. And I was in pain at the time and I would have probably took whatever they gave me. And maybe right now I could have been dealing with some form of addiction. So I, I feel like I'm lucky. So be honest with your doctor or your physician, anesthesiologist, and really give them the proper information. Also, watch out for side effects. Some side effects of opioids may be mild, such as sleepiness and constipation, while others, including shallow breathing, slow heart rate, and loss of consciousness, can be serious and may be signs of an overdose. Ask your physician what you should be aware of and what you could do to prevent potential problems. If you experience possible symptoms of an overdose, contact your doctor or 911. Take opioids only as prescribed. Follow your physician's directions and read the prescription label. If you take other medications, ask your physician whether it is also safe to take opioids. Prepare for surgery. If you are taking opioids and preparing for surgery, talk with your surgeon, a physician, anesthesiologist, and other physicians who are treating you. Chronic use of opioids increase your risk of complications from surgery and can lengthen your hospital stay. Your medical care team can help you safely manage your pain before surgery. All right, so here we are approaching the subject at hand also ask your physician about other pain management alternatives so here we go ladies and gentlemen the purpose of this episode is to help the people in the recovery community and as part of the sober is dope experience to to um have access to alternatives to pain management because we know that we're fighting this epidemic, right? We want to get people off the pain meds, the fentanyl, the heroin, and the pills. But the first start, the first step is if you're currently taking pills to understand the alternatives. So here we go. Combination therapy. Opioids by themselves may not always fully control your pain. Combining opioids with other medications or non-medication treatments while under the care of a physician can improve your pain management and result in your needing a lower dose of opioids. Non-drug therapies. Many people find relief with alternative therapies such as biofeedback, meditation, massages, 
and acupuncture. You may also get relief with interventional therapies such as nerve blocks or surgical procedures in which the nerve causing the pain are cut. A physician, anesthesiologist, or other pain medicine specialist can help you find what works best for you. Okay, this is very good. Injections and implants. If you are having muscle spasms or nerve pain, an injection of local anesthetics or other medications can help short-circuit your pain. If you have chronic pain in your back, arms, or legs, a pain medicine specialist might suggest spinal cord stimulation in which a device is implanted in your back and blocks pain by delivering electric pulses to your nerve and spinal cord. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so here we go. I just wanted to touch a little bit on this, right? A little bit, because... This is a real serious thing. Now, this is the medical side. So, ladies and gentlemen, bear with me now. I'm going to play some clips, but I we have responses from them. I want to read people's reaction that's actually in the pain management community because it goes both ways. And there's a lot of medical professionals who listen to this podcast, and it's good for us to hear everything from every perspective. So, bear with me for a moment. In, the sub, in, in dealing with the subject of managing chronic pain without narcotics, people who actually experience pain said this, all right? Um, I, I'm not going to say their names for anonymous purposes. I'm just going to read their comments, okay? Does, and does everyone notice that these videos are always made by people who don't suffer from chronic pain? That is because no one who lives with the reality of pain would say these things, such as alternatives, all right? Another thing, more political correct agenda, please. They think it is better to suffer in misery and and poverty while your life falls apart than to become an addict. All right, I don't know how to take that. Maybe people, you guys do. Um, Another comment. The concern isn't for what's best for the suffering. It's for doctors who don't feel able to treat their patients. Chronic pain patients often need opioid pain medication to function. So this is someone that's in the community. They're saying it's okay. It's not about what's best for people who are suffering. Uh, or they're saying that that's not the concern. It's the doctors don't feel able to treat. So they basically just feel like they need these opioids to function and that's a fundamental thing maybe people calling it an addiction but it's a fundamental need um another comment then you need to develop a pain med that people are not going to be overdosing or committing suicide not everyone wants to die so now this person is saying well why don't they create i think this goes back to our original point why don't they make these drugs less habit forming so people don't overdose and die all right another person comments i tried every single thing they said and many more unless you live in the agony of debilitating chronic pain there is no way for you to understand what it's like i have severe crps from a nerve getting permanently damaged from surgery it's inhumane okay um 
it's inhumane and let people suffer knowing there's medication that can help and not give it to them. So what's happening now, I think because of the whole backlash from the Sackley family and the court cases and the litigation and the big pharma being sued, doctors are now restricting people who's in chronic pain access to the medication that they need. And then they're creating these articles about alternatives, which someone from the outside like me may seem like, hey, this is helpful. But if you're dealing with the real pain, this can be an issue and it's tough. And one of the members from the Sober's Dope podcast, um, you know, he, he, he communicated this to me in a way where his recovery is very challenging because he has to figure out how to deal with the pain, but at the same time, cut out the pills. And this guy wanted to really re- rebuild his family and he's in recovery now. He stopped taking the pills. And, you know, he's working He's working it to the best of his abilities, and I commend him. Um, all right, let's go a few more comments, and I'm going to move on, because this I have like a thousand comments here. All right, I couldn't disagree more with the line of thinking and the limits, the measures, the limits, the measures they have taken has only increased opioid-related deaths and turned more and more people to heroin. Boom, big... This is big points. See, sometimes you got to listen to people on the ground. I myself was hit by a drunk driver New Year's Day 2010 and broke my back in three places. I was unable to walk for almost a year. And after nine months, I walked unassisted, but I am in constant chronic pain. Over the years, I was able to wean off the medication and only take a very small dose when needed. I cannot tell you the amount of pain patients I've met who has DRs who who ran for the hill because of the threats who had doctors who ran for the hill because of the threats on their license from the DEA this is heavy okay now we're getting background information so it sounds like the DEA, which is the Drug Enforcement Agency, is putting pressures on doctors because the pressure's on Big Pharma, and now doctors are running to the hill and cutting their patients off and not really giving them alternatives that insurance would pay for, but just leaving them kind of out there, out there in the dark. All right, so. This guy goes on to say, my doctor works very closely with the DEA and consults for them so he did not have to stop treating legit patients. Can you imagine policymakers telling board certified pain management doctors how they should run their practice? Yes, pill mills had to be stopped and those places were easily identified through basic monitoring of DEA licenses. The threats against legitimate pain specialists has cost lives. One woman I knew through my chronic pain support group was a retired school teacher in her mid-70s who had a clean urine every single time she was tested, was taken off meds with no taper because the doctor was taking all patients off opioids in one four swoop who died from an overdose of trying to snort heroin that she drivered into the known drug that drove into that drove onto a known drug track she saw on the news because she was desperate to not be in pain anymore her funeral was probably the hardest 
So this is the, this is the other side of it. This sounds like normal people, retired school teachers, 70 years old, doctors being pressured by the DA, cuts her off. She's dealing with this chronic pain. She resorts to snorting heroin, um, and then she winds up dying. All right. Uh, well, let's do one or two more. But who pays for the alternative treatments? I know insurance comp companies will not. What does that say about people with severe chronic pain? So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say one thing here. I don't want to because I can't verify all of these comments. So what I have to say is, listen, if you're suffering with pain management, right, and there are alternatives available, really look deep into your insurance and figure out what they pay for and what they don't before you just go and say, oh, insurance is not going to pay for it. Because insurance may pay for it. They may pay for therapy. They may pay for alternative treatments. You have to figure it out. Then also figure out if you could change insurance that may fit more of your plan or what you need. Or maybe changing doctors. Okay, those are also other alternatives. Um, this guy's comment I thought was a little bit funny from an alcoholic perspective. He said, shouldn't alcohol require a prescription too? I'm pretty sure it ruined more lives than payments. Well, I'm not sure about that, but he has a point. Alcohol is so addictive and so powerful. You should need a prescription to get that. You know what I mean? Because we know how that go. All right. Well, I'm going to do one or two more comments. These comments is good. We should do a whole episode on the comments, but I want to get to more of the other stuff I have for you guys. These people make me sick if it's like to if if like to see them try to walk around with two broken legs left untreated and see if they don't come begging for help. What the hell difference does it make to them whether or not you take pain medication? I don't get it because it's more socially acceptable to die of a bleeding ulcer from the synthetic stuff they try to give you that does nothing rather than a pain medication. It's ridiculous. So I I don't know why people who's in obvious, serious chronic pain, like two broken legs, permanently broken back, why they do not have access. I don't know when this happened. Um, these comments are only from seven to 10 months ago. These are all within the last year. Some of these are from three months ago. Um, this is a three month. Um, yes, if only they could spend one day or even one hour in my pain ridden body, they will kill themselves or go try to find pain meds. So this is three, three months ago. All right. There's too much emphasis on the abuse of opioids, but with little concern for those who really need it and who have tried other modalities. It often means that opioids allow us to function. All right. Alcoholism. No, I don't care. We're not going to talk about alcoholism right now. There will be an increase in death from those of us who can no longer get the opioids we need for the pain. No one considers this. Even pain specialists are threatened by the DEA. We should allow them to manage their practice without interference. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's both sides of the spectrum. I was reading... And be, I'm reading this. Um, I read what are opioids, what are what are opioids, and the first part was from physician anesthesiologists save lives. It's the American Society of Anesthesiologists. All right. So this is a 
organization. This is a government organization, American Society of Anesthesiologists, board certified. So they, they, they recommend alternatives. They recommend that you work with your doctors, okay? Then you have people on the ground that's saying, look, we need our pain medication. So if you're in chronic pain, I get it. So it's not going to be easy for me just to do an episode saying alternatives to pain management because I'm looking at both sides. But what's very important being that this podcast is about recovery is we have to find ways to find balance because the addiction side is killing more people than the actual pain side. I mean, there's kids dying every day from having access to these drugs. So I think it's going to take time for the dust to clear. I know on the first hand, many people in the sober dope community are abstinent right now from drugs and drug free who are in pain and who needs it. So it can be done, but it's tough. So this, I would say deal with it on a case by case basis. Try to fight like hell to not get addicted to these things and follow your doctor's prescription and only take what the doctor prescribes. My biggest piece of advice is don't go outside of your physician to try to find these drugs to deal with your pain. Um, Try to do everything you can by the book to avoid addiction or overdose or access to harder drugs. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna leave it there. I want to say a prayer for you guys real quick in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for everyone in the world that's struggling from drugs, opioid addiction, heroin, fentanyl, oxycontin, Percocets, pills. I pray for you to give them the strength. God, I ask you to for a special miracle and I ask for the divine physician to be upon everyone who's struggling. Everyone who's struggling and really severe chronic pain who doesn't have access to the money for proper medication or proper insurance alternatives god please give these guys a creative miracle change the laws change the drugs change the system so that they can have a better shot at healing it's all about healing god we ask for your healing grace to be upon all of us who's trying to fight the good fight we ask this prayer to be heard in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, ladies and gentlemen, I love you. I want to leave you there. Good luck. I hope I did a good job representing both sides. I understand where you guys are coming from. I think the way the government handled this, I think the way the medical establishment um, handled this, I think the way the big pharma handled this and private corporations handled this was unfair to us all. And we have to have the courage to get through this and to survive. I want you guys to heal and be healthy. So I'm going to cut to a story from Joy who who, um, has the, who beat heroin after 30 years. And then we're going to go into another article. And then we're going to close out the podcast on this. Please email me at monkhealing at gmail.com if you want to hear me cover any other subjects. I'll do the research and then I'll bring it to the podcast because I want every member to feel equally represented because the Sober is Dope podcast is for alcoholics and drug addicts alike and everyone that's dealing with some form of addiction. It's totally inclusive and not exclusive to one particular group. So I want to start doing episodes that works for everyone. I'm going to do an episode on gambling. I'm going to do an episode on sex addiction, shopping, eating, 
I want you guys to know I hear you. I'm here for you. And we're going to cover everything in 2020. I love you all. God bless everyone out there that's struggling through drug dependency. I'll catch you guys on the other side. The first time I tried heroin, not only did I like it, I loved it. And it just gave me a sense of peace that I didn't have to worry about stuff anymore. I just wanted to be free of worrying about stuff all the time. You know, I was a correctional officer at the Maryland Penn, and that's when my disease started. It's a, a stressful place, and a lot of the correctional officers there used. I wasn't even thinking normal. I had to use because I got to go to work and I realized that I was sick. My mother was an open person, so she told the family, you know, Joy is sick, so we have to support her. Now I realize the, the stress I put them under for them to see me that way. But when you're caught up in a disease, you can't see nothing but your pain. I, don't, I didn't want anybody to look down on me. I didn't want to disgrace my family, so I just faked it. Long, I figured long as I looked good, and I went to work every day, and I wasn't, so I thought, I wasn't hurting anybody. That's what I thought. The people I admired the most, and still do today, is my mother and my grandmother. You know, my grandmother was the wisest person I ever met. My mother was the strongest person I ever met. I was raised with my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mother. I got to run from person to person, getting love and everybody telling me I'm wonderful. We lived around a lot of woods and unexplored areas. I loved going in the woods and finding new things to do. I had a German Shepherd. She used to come in the woods with me. I felt safe because she wasn't going to let anything happen to me. I was um, lost in the disease of active addiction for 30 years. I saw me. It broke my heart. I saw me, and it was the most traumatic thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I cried out to God, please. So my cry led me to a phone call. And uh, my life just started changing drastically. We work really hard to uh, take away aspects of addiction that prevent proper treatment. So we do work really hard to take away shame. We often uh, fail to realize how much social circumstance impacts how people take care of themselves or how they address their health care. So it's putting together a team of people who are, uh, have insight into the fact that, the, that when we take care of patients, we have to address all aspects and especially their social setting. Now I'm a peer recovery coach at Hopkins Bayview. So I see people sick just like I remember when um, sometimes most of the time, their pain fills the room. I talk to them, I inspire, you know, and try to encourage, and let them know where I come from, let them know it's possible. And the young people, I try to let them know that you don't have to waste 30 years. You can, you can do it now. Peer recovery coach can see someone in the emergency room, and then if that person gets admitted to the hospital, the same peer recovery coach goes up to see them wherever they are, and this uh, fear and anxiety of being admitted in the hospital, and all of a sudden there's a familiar face 
of someone who I met in the emergency room, someone who knows about my addiction and, and is non-judgmental and understanding. I say I'm free all the time from the disease of addiction because I'm, I'm, I'm free to choose. I didn't have a choice when I was using. And I'm free to make my dreams come true. See, I'm, I'm truly free today. You know, I'm, I'm free to love because now I'm learning how to do it because I didn't know how to before. So, I mean, it's not the sky's the limit, the sky and beyond. The prescription of opioids, largely for chronic pain, has become an epidemic in this country. There's been a very dramatic increase in the number of people who are taking opioids in the United States. And as a matter of fact, the numbers for the United States are much larger than other similar countries like in Europe. About 150 people are dying every day from opioid overdoses uh, somewhere in the United States. So it's become a major health crisis and something that all of us need to address. The significance of the problem has prompted the Centers for Disease Control to issue new guidelines for prescribing opioids for chronic conditions like joint pain, arthritis, back, neck, muscle pain, or headache. The guidelines do not apply to opioid use for cancer pain or pain associated with end of life. The real question of the matter is can people use opioids um, in a very safe manner for legitimate medical reasons? And the answer to that is some people can. Some people can't. Opioid use is complicated. Patients can experience tolerance, needing more and more of the drug for the same effect. Others become physically dependent, suffering withdrawals when the drug is stopped. And addiction is something different. Addiction is a much thornier issue. It simply means that you're attempting to obtain a drug for its, um, for its euphoric effect, and you know you're doing something wrong. Dr. Ferrante says deciding who benefits most and safely from opioids will take a multidisciplinary approach. UCLA is launching a comprehensive pain treatment and management clinic to offer patients highly individualized solutions for their chronic pain. These patients have real physical pain problems, but we can't discount the psychological and the mental aspect and the fact that the pain is enmeshed in their entire life, their behaviors, what they do. And pills particularly opioids, but any pills really only have a limited benefit for chronic pain. Psychological and behavioral therapy can help, and Dr. Snyderman, who sees patients at UCLA's pain clinic in Torrance, says there's a growing arsenal of other treatments, too. We have interventional approaches uh, such as epidural injections, facet injections, things that can really help with back pain, things like nerve ablations. Uh, things we can do in the clinic are things like joint injections, knees and shoulders, trigger point injections. And then we work closely with some other doctors in the area uh, for techniques such as acupuncture, massage, physical therapy, water therapy. That's the most important thing that we need, I think, to help address this opioid problem. Because patients will tell you that they're willing to try to reduce the opioids, but then they ask, what do I do for my pain? Dr. Heinzerling says he often prescribes an opioid light medication called Suboxone to wean patients from more addictive opioid drugs. And the experts say we may need to shift our view of chronic pain treatment too. It really is going to take a shift of, of our perception and, and the ideas about treatment nationwide. I think as Americans, we're used to easy, fast responses, whether it's uh, calling an Uber or getting delivery food. 
and we think everything should be instantaneous. But with chronic pain, it's a slow uh, fix. Most people didn't end up in chronic pain overnight, and the solution isn't going to be an overnight solution. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, Lord. 